Hallelujah. Would you turn this evening with me to the 26th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew? Matthew 26. Matthew 26. I want to read a verse to you and uh, certain of this one thing that we won't get through this tonight, but we'll begin this tonight. And uh, as we were in prayer in this, in this service last week, the Lord put an assignment on my heart to, to teach. And so here we go to obey that, all right? Verse 41 of Matthew 26 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see that? The spirit is willing, but tell me about the flesh. The flesh is weak. Flesh is weak. I want to minister to you on the subject of victory over the flesh. Victory over the flesh. If, you, if you're saying, well, I don't know exactly what you're talking about, then I have to tell you, I'll say it as sweet as I can, but I have to tell you, you're a liar. Because one thing all of us have experience with is yielding to the flesh. I'll be doing a lot of smiling as I preach this. All of us are experienced at yielding to the flesh. What are we talking about when we talk about yielding to the flesh? How many know when we're talking about victory over the flesh, the flesh is something you need victory over, right? What are we talking about when we talk about the flesh? We're talking about when the body, the unrenewed mind, and sometimes the devil all get together, you have the flesh. You have the flesh. When a person, you know, when a person yields to the devil, it's often an issue in the realm of the flesh. It's often a flesh issue. In day-to-day -day life, you'll have far greater trouble with your flesh than you will with the devil. Satan comes, the Bible says, to do what? To steal, and what else? To kill, and what else? To destroy. Jesus said, but I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, you notice it says Satan comes. Satan comes. Your flesh stays. Satan's not with you 24-7. Your flesh is. Amen. Uh, your flesh stays to pull you away from the things of God constantly. And so I'm persuaded of this, that Christians blame far too much on the devil. Amen. And some Christians blame all their trouble on the devil just as an excuse to avoid dealing with the flesh. I want to make a statement to you. I'm going to say it often. You have flesh. Deal with it. <laughs> Would you try that out? Preach that to your neighbor? Come on, tell them. You have flesh. Deal with it. I don't know that they heard you. You better say it again. Say it. Come on now. You have flesh. Deal with it. Deal with it. Your, your flesh, your flesh will do anything you allow it to do. There are some things that you hear about on the news, bad things that people do. And you think, I could never do that. In fact, you, you've heard people say, well, how could they do that? I could never do that. Well, that's not necessarily true. 
How did they do it? They yielded to the flesh. Was, what about the devil? He was in on it. But without the flesh, Satan's very helpless. You know, part of your flesh is your mouth. Do you know that if Satan can't get, if Satan could get nobody to, to repeat what he suggests to them, he couldn't do anything in the earth. He needs a voice. He needs, he needs people yielded. He needs bodies. So does God. So does the Holy Spirit. Amen. But your flesh, your, I'm talking about you here tonight. Your flesh is no different than the pervert, than their flesh. No different than the sex offender. He's just yielded to, he's just got better at yielding to different levels of it, deeper levels of it than maybe you have. And thank God that you haven't if you haven't. Amen. He's crossed lines maybe that you haven't crossed. And that's good that you haven't crossed them. Amen. But the point I'm trying to make is the flesh. Paul said, me, said in me, in my flesh, dwells no good thing. You have, you have something walking around with you, living with you, not just coming once in a while, but staying full time. You have something called the flesh, or we could say the nature of the flesh. And you must deal with it. You must deal with it. Many Christians don't pay uh, one bit of attention to this subject. And so they live in defeat. Amen. Now, one thing, and, I, and I, this might, you know, this might be a little bit uh, technical, but it's important. I want to talk about the difference between the, the flesh nature and the sin nature. There's so much confusion amongst Christians between the two. Uh, matter of fact, a lot of times they don't know there's anything called flesh. They just think there's a sin, a sin nature problem. And that's not the case. Would you turn to 2 Corinthians 5 with me? And you know, any scripture that I, that I hear preached, I'm just thrilled to hear the word, no matter if it's scripture I like, scripture I don't read that often. This will, this will be one you know and like, but there'll be some others we read that you might not be as familiar with. Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm, in, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians, I'm in 1st. We'll get there. 2 Corinthians 5. Thank you, Father. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. The old has passed away. What do we say when somebody when we say somebody's passed away? What do we tell what are we saying about them? They're dead. They're dead. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The new has come. You're not waiting on it to come. The new has come. You are a new creation. New creation. If you're born again, you're not the same as you used to be. Something new has come, but something old has passed away or died. Well, I want to answer the question, what, what, what died? You ever walked into a room and asked that? <laughs> what died? <laughs> what died in here? What died is the sin nature died. Your sin nature died. Passed away. I'm going to have you go, we're in 2 Corinthians 5, I'm going to have you go to Romans 5. 
All glory to God. It's a good night when we're turning pages in the Bible. Romans 5. Your sin nature, somebody tell me about it. Your sin nature, tell me about your sin nature. It's gone. It's passed away. Huh? There was a funeral the day you said yes to Jesus was your was the funeral for your old man. You buried you were buried with Christ. Bye bye to that to a part of you that maybe if you didn't get saved till later in life, maybe that part of you had lived for many, many years. But it's gone now. And the new has come. My goodness, if folk would walk in the reality of newness of life, if they would, because when it says the new has come, that tells me that there's something about you that's different than there ever was before. It doesn't it stand to reason that if something about you is different than it was before, that it ought to show up in your life. It ought to, your life ought to be different than it ever had been before. Amen. Do you understand that when some people call themselves Christians and not, not a thing ever changed? I, I, I have, uh, you know, I appreciate that you are professing Christ, but I have, a, I, I have serious doubts whether you've really been born again. If nothing's changed, there's no difference between the old you and the new you. Uh, you, you, you didn't get a good batch. You didn't get the real thing. If you get the real thing, you'll you'll know something's not something's new. Everything's new. Everything's new. And something's gone. Something's gone. Something's missing. Wait, where's that guilt? It's gone. Why don't I want I tell you I had the filthiest mouth you've ever heard. I did. I mean before I was saved, I hung around, you know, I just hung around musicians all the time and and you know, uh, when you're an insecure young man like I was, very insecure about my looks, insecure about a lot of things, when you're insecure, you'll find ways to compensate and sometimes overcompensate. You know, and I'd be, I'd be with a Christian friend, the guy that shared Christ with me, and with, uh, we were together quite often, driving, we'd drive to music lessons together sometimes. And, you know, I'd be talking, talking with him, and I'd just say, you know, that God, D-A-M, uh, and i just use that phrase, and I'm thankful that he said, you know, you don't have to believe what I believe, but please have some honor. Please have some respect for what I believe. Well, see, I appreciate that he that he corrected me. I didn't appreciate it then. <laughs> I laughed. You know, I laughed back then. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And uh, but the thing about it is when I got saved. Instantly. My my, my language cleaned up. Why? Because something, something was gone. Something died. Something died. Something that was part of me before it was gone. And I mean, when I got saved, everything was new. The grass was a different shade of green. It was more vibrant. Than, it was a more vibrant green than before. The sky was a different shade of blue. It was more, it was popped. It, it was like going from black and white fuzzy TV the high definition 4K, baby. I mean, just, just boom! All of a sudden, we're living life in high def, you know. And then I got received the baptism of the Holy Spirit some years later, and it happened again. It was like we went to we went to a 
higher resolution yet. Hello! <laughs> Amen. But what died was my sin nature. Now, in Romans 5, I gave you about 15 minutes to get there. In verse 8, you might know this verse, and it's a good one. It says, but God shows His love for us. And I like that it's present tense, in the, uh, at least in the ESV that we use. It's present tense. God shows, not He showed. Because I, want him, I, I need it presently. Don't you? Yeah. He shows. He presently, he presently displays, we could say it that way, He presently displays His love for us in that while we, look at this, while we, while we what? While we were, not are, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, when did Christ die for us? It's been a couple thousand years. But He shows it presently. To it's that, that death all those years ago is a present display of His love. But notice that it says, while we were, while we were sinners, sinners, if we were sinners, what are we now? We're not still, right? We're not. Now, that was verse 8. Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have, been, we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. So it says we were sinners, but we are now justified by His blood. Everybody say something died. We were sinners. Friends, we, we, we made mention of this on Sunday. If you hear a Christian say, I'm just a sinner, or we're all sinners, raise your hand and say, not I. Not I. Not, and, and then tell them, not if you're saved, you're not. We were sinners, but what are we now? We are justified by His blood. Now, it goes on to say the same exact thing in verse 10, just different language here. For if while we were enemies, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. So what were we? We were enemies. But what are we now? Reconciled. So we were sinners, now we're justified. We were enemies, now we're reconciled. You have to know who you are. Am I an enemy of God now? Am I a, am I a sinner and an enemy? No, I'm justified and reconciled. You might say, I don't know what those big words mean. They're good words. Just, just know they're good words. And if you ever reconciled your checkbook, what you did was you made your checkbook match the bank statement. You didn't reconcile the bank statement. No, that, that's not open for reconciliation. <laughs> You, 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 all the correction was in your checkbook. And you made that checkbook match the bank statement. Now, it, one of the most wonderful experiences along those lines is if you forgot about, well, most people don't forget about big deposits, but if you forgot about a big deposit that you made and you go to reconcile, all of a sudden, now you measure way up. Yeah. 
when you thought you might have thought you were you had five dollars in the bank and you forgot about that five thousand dollars that somebody said they were transferring to you and it changed it changed everything it changed the whole mentality of that thing well how many know we were sinners we didn't met we didn't measure up but Jesus of course died for us while we were yet sinners and what the Lord did was he reconciled us with him and, and so he looked at us, and we're down here, and his statement was here, perfection. And because the blood, the blood that was shed for us was perfection and was applied to our lives, and we received that, then he took us and he put us all the way up to, to perfection so that we match him. We match him. That he didn't, Jesus did come down and match us, he did. He did come down and match us, but it was for the purpose of all of us coming up to match Him. And that's what happened. Amen. So we're talking about here the difference between the sin nature and the flesh nature. The sin nature, now, that's, that's done. That's gone. So it talked about a sinner while we were yet sinners. A sinner is not a, just a person who sins, but a person with a sin nature. That's a sinner. Their sin nature will produce enough sin. Don't you worry about that. But do you hear what I said? A sinner is not a person who sins. In other words, when a person sins, we don't call him a sinner because of that sin. A sinner is a person with a sin nature. Does it sound like there's no difference? There is a difference. Because you can be a sinner and not sin very much. You can be a sinner and be one of the best people in town. You can be the best neighbor in the neighborhood and still be a sinner. Because a sinner is not somebody who sins. It's somebody with a sin nature. And that's where, that's where you know, the world believes incorrectly. They believe that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. And they, they think it's that way. Because, and that's true in a sense. But they're, they're thinking of it wrong. They're thinking it's true... They're thinking a good person is someone who behaves good their whole life to where everything they've done has been good or good enough. And that got them in. And a bad person is somebody who's done bad all their life. Well, no, no, no. You can be a bad person and get to heaven. Don't look at me like you don't believe it. You can be a pretty bad person and get to heaven. How can you get to heaven if you're bad? Get saved. The blood will reach a bad person just like it will reach a good person. Get born again. But a good person can go to hell. How do you do that? How do you be a good person and go to hell? Just, just fail to do the one thing you need to do, which is receive Christ. And recognize that your goodness isn't, isn't all you anyhow. And it ain't all that. And no matter, you could... There's no good you could achieve that would measure up in the flesh. So a sinner is not a person who sins. A sinner is a person with a sin nature. Amen. Now, a believer can also sin. How many know that? But he doesn't have a sin nature. A person has a sin nature when they are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead simply means this, you're disconnected 
separated from God. Amen. But when they're born again, they receive the life and nature of God, and the sin, that sin nature dies. Now look at Romans 5. You still in Romans 5? Look over at the 19th verse. It says, For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made, what? Sinners. What's a sinner? Somebody with a sin nature. How did they get that sin nature? By one man's disobedience. But it says, so by the one man's obedience. Now, who's the one man's disobedience? Who's the one man we're talking about there? Adam. Adam's disobedience affected all of us. But in the same way, by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Made righteous. The lost person, once again, is not somebody who sins. The lost, the lost person is somebody who was made a sinner. Look in verse 12. It says, it says uh, something interesting. It tells you how this happened. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Death spread. How does somebody become a sinner? How does somebody be made? Didn't verse 19 say they were made sinners? By the one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. How are you made a sinner? Well, how were you made female or male? It was passed along. It was, could we say it this way? It was transmitted to you at conception. Your eye color, your hair color, your relative size, and things like that. That's all passed down to you, right? So is the sin nature. It's passed down to you. Amen. So you were made a sinner when you were born. I know it's not exciting, but it's, it's important to know it. You, you do understand, don't you, that many who call themselves Christians are not clear on this at all. Right? Uh, if they were, they'd, a lot of them would get saved. So you're made a sinner when you're born. When are you made righteous? When you're born again. Or, we could say it this way, you're made a sinner when you're born naturally. You're made righteous when you're born spiritually. We're in school here tonight. Right? Right? But the reason that we could be made righteous was that He was made sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He has made Him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Tell me about your sin nature, everybody. It's died. It's died. We're in Romans 5. Could I have you turn to Romans 6? Oh, I'd like to read this verse to a lot of people in our day, but we're going to read it to you. What shall we, verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? What does it say about sin? 
How can we who died, you died to sin. You've died to it. Tell me about your sin nature. It's dead. You might say, why are you taking so long on this? Just want to make sure we get it. I need it. I need it several times. Figure maybe you'd like it that way too. Amen. It goes on in the sixth verse. It says, we know that our old self, what's that talking about? Your old nature. That sin nature. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Here again, guys, something died. Something died. But that death set you free. When Christ came in, when life came in, the old nature, right here calls it your old self, that died. Glory. Glory to God. Now, look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. The 14th verse, For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Everybody say this with me. Sin has no dominion over me. Now, if, what does dominion mean? If, if, if I say I have dominion over this group of people, it means I'm in charge. Not only, really, that's, it's, dominion is a stronger statement than to say I'm in charge. Dominion has to do with dominating. And I'm not saying I'm in dominion here. Over. You understand that? I'm just saying if I was saying that. Dominion really has to do with, with forcing. Right? Domineering. You know when a spouse is domineering. And it's usually the wife. Right, brother? No, I'm just playing. Sometimes it's the husband. Sometimes it's the wife. Sometimes it's the both. And they just, you know, it's like... Let's, let's just take five, ten paces apart, turn around, shoot, see who's left, you know. Sin, uh, so we're talking about, that, what does it mean to, to dominate? It means to be in charge and to force people to do something. Sin shall not have dominion over you. What that means is you do not have to ever sin. Again, again, if I could go back to my upbringing, if and you know, I believe very firmly it was the plan of God for me to get saved and go into the church that I started in because it has helped me so much to see some of what the mainstream body of Christ believes. Because it's not just hearsay. I'm not saying, well, I hear people believe this. I was taught it by some of the sweetest, most loving people in the world. But I was taught it nonetheless. And, uh, the, the, and not only Baptists believe this, but many Pentecostals, Charismatics, because I had Charismatic friends who would say, well, I, you know, we sin so many times every day, we couldn't possibly confess all our sins. Have you ever heard that? Well, we have to do away with everything we've just preached tonight. We've got to scratch those verses out along with the verses we scratched out on Sunday. <laughs> the Bible doesn't say sin shall dominate you for the rest. It says sin shall have no dominion. If you've, if you've read, I, you know, I try not to make uh, 
plugs for my books, but they're so good. So if you've ever read the New Creation Meditations book, when on the uh, the day talking about free from sin and condemnation, I, I, we talk about this verse about sin not having dominion over you. And I reference the Message Bible, where it says, don't give sin a vote or a voice in your life. Don't even run the little errands that are that are conducted with that old way of life. No dominion. No dominion. So your sin nature has died. But now I gotta don't get too depressed when I say this. It's possible to still sin. Listen, it's even possible to live as if you still had a sin nature. How is that possible? Well, before you were saved and after you were saved, sin expresses itself through the flesh. The flesh. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Victory over the flesh. Sin has always expressed itself through flesh. Sin always will express itself through the flesh. Now, have I told you that you have flesh? Deal with it. Did we read? What verse did we just leave off of here? Oh, verse 14. Sin will have no dominion over you. Now look at verse 12. It says, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Whose job is this? It's our job not to... It's our job to make sure that sin does not reign in our bodies. Right? Right? Don't let sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey. So that lets me know we do not have to obey sin. We do not have to yield to sin. If you sin, whose fault is it? Y'all looking at me, uh, my ignorance. If you sin, whose fault is it? If I sin, whose fault? Who made me do it? The devil made me do it. My wife made me. She provoked me. She provoked me. I gotta take this blood pressure medication because of you. Because you, no, no, no. I, and I don't. I'm not on blood pressure medication. I'm just illustrating a point. People love to blame others, don't they? It's called blame shifting. You know where they got that from? You know who the first blame shifter was? This woman you gave me. She she gave me that fruit. She gave me that fruit. It was her. Yeah, she pried your mouth open. She forced the fruit in there. Adam started it, and he passed that mess down. Hmm? I mean, you got something in your house that only a three-year-old could have messed up, and you ask him about it. <laughs> Did you spill these Cheerios all over the place? And they'll look at you and say, No, 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 it was Scooby the dog. Oh, so he climbed up into the uh, into the into where your bowl was, and threw it. No, it was you, but you don't want to admit it. If you sin, whose fault is it? Your fault. Your fault. But the good thing is, you don't have to. So it tells you, don't let sin reign. Don't let sin dominate in your body. Now, for the Christian, sin occurs when they allow their flesh 
to express itself. Now here's how I'm going to wind up what we've been talking about today. Your inner man has been born again. Your spirit has been born again. Right? Your body has not been born again. If you're saved, you have the same body now that you did before you were saved. Brother Hagen used to say if you was bald-headed before, you're still bald-headed before. You know, if you were, (laughs) whatever, brown eyes before, you're still brown eyes. Your body is not a new creature. Your spirit is a new creature. And then your soul, what do we mean mean by the soul? Uh, The combination of your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions, your sensibilities. What about your soul? Was that was that born again? You might say, well, everybody talks about yeah, souls being saved. Well, that's not, that's not just exactly the right way to say it. It's the spirit that's born again. Your soul will go, really, your soul can lean either way. It can follow the flesh or it can, or it can go with God. Usually on Sunday mornings, people's souls are going the right way. The rest of the time, not so much. Amen. So your soul is really cast the deciding vote. Because I'll tell you, your body will pretty much always want to go the way of, you know, listen, your body is of the world. It's tied to this world. The body was created from dust originally. You know what I mean? Your body is so tied to this world that if you let it, your body will almost always want to go the way of the world. All the time, right? Your spirit, if you've been born again, your spirit always wants to go God's way. What casts the deciding vote? Your soul, your mind, your your feelings. How do I feel today? Well, if I feel grumpy, then I'm going to act grumpy. Well, no, 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 no. So if you haven't spent the time that's necessary to control your soul and to keep the lid on your body, you're going to end up being a saved, heaven-bound, but flesh-ruled Christian. And you'll have a lot of company. Most of the body of Christ is exactly that way. But there's no victory that way. You'll yield to sin over and over again that way. You'll never break the habits that you've had that way. Amen. And we want to give you what you need to have victory over the flesh. Amen. Most people's problems are all flesh problems. Amen. Glory to God. So if you come back next time. We're, gonna, we're just going to get into the meat and potatoes of it. All we did was introduce it tonight. Is that all right? Amen. And so we're going to get into what, because the Word gives us all the answers to these things. We're not left to wonder, oh God, I'm going to know that just praying, just crying out in prayer, that doesn't get you victory over your flesh. Saying, oh God, take this lust away from me. God, take this lust. Click, click, click. God, take this, take this addiction away from me. Smoke, smoke, you know. Drinking, and, and, and I'm not making fun of people because they are as sincere as they can be when they say, I mean, I, I, I had a friend, not a friend, he was, he was actually a church member a couple different times, for very short stays in years past. But I, t- I took him in 
a little bit, I was trying to help him. And he had a problem with crack, cocaine. And he said, I was down in my in the basement watching Christian TV on the floor worshiping God, and the next thing I knew right there, I was smoking crack. That I didn't want to. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to get into the Word, and we're going to see how to have victory over this. Because I'm telling you, there's, there's victory for every single person. I don't care how deep into it you got. We had other people came. I remember uh, one person came at the second church we had started in Lancaster, New York. And there was an individual that came a handful of times until they talked to me. And that was the end of that. Uh, but they came and they, they said, I have, I have a problem I need to talk to you about. I said, well, tell it. And they said, well, I'm, I'm addicted to pornography. Was it pornography? I'm addicted to pornography. Was this also the guy that said, I can't tithe because um, I don't have any money to tithe? I said, what do you do all day? I said, he said I sit in front of the computer at home. I said, and, and you have internet service, no doubt. He said, yeah. I said, well, I can help your addiction. Bring your computer next time. Give it to me. Cancel the internet service. Take the money you're spending every month on the internet. Put it in the office. I can't do that. I can't do that. But pray for me. It wasn't a prayer. It, it wasn't a prayer issue, and he wasn't even willing to do it himself. He wanted me to do the praying, and, and somehow he thought, I don't, I don't know what. What do I have? What does the leader have that's going to get those kind of results in your life? Well, the leader has the answers for you to get results. But, oh, no, 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 no. So when I, when I suggested to him that his answer was the end of the Internet. No. Goodbye. i got to find a church that has some compassion. Seriously. That's what they, I, have to, I have to find a church that has some com compassion. That's not so hard and not so harsh. No, hard and harsh is, if, is what happens if you keep going on that and end up as a child molester and end up having to register every time you live somewhere and end up chopping a little girl in pieces like the guy up here did. That's hard. Not hearing the truth that you have to, you have, to have victory over your flesh. And then you say, well, the devil, the devil, the devil. Yeah, the devil, but it's not the devil's fault. Your fault, devil's, devil's work. Because, you know, if I can say something about, I don't know if you guys have moved here yet, but when we first moved here in, in uh, 2012, there was a guy that kidnapped a little girl here in town. You remember the news stories. And he chopped her into pieces, spread her body all over the place. He's still going through trial, I think. I don't, you know, we know what the outcome is going to be, but uh, he's still going through it. Well, you know, it was, and, and he doesn't know why he said some power, some, something made him do that. Well, it was the devil, but it didn't start out with the devil. It started out because he wouldn't stop clicking. Or he wouldn't stop turning page that he shouldn't have been turning. Well, we'll talk about we'll talk about these things. We'll talk about how somebody gets demon-possessed. Hallelujah. So, Father, thank you today for your... But I've seen the Bolgos and seen a lot. And so, Lord, in pitch the paprits, the goats, and the meds. And on prajit, the shugums, the galantestats, and the vireas, the suits, and the not the And answers that you need... Are not often in the prayers of others. Answers that you need are not in the places you think to look. But the answers that you need are so often right in your own heart, right in your own lips. That the word is nigh you in your heart and in your mouth. The word of faith which we preach. So, take the answers that I prescribe 
and get the results that you desire. So, Father, we thank you for this. Thank you for this truth. Thank you for this word. And we thank you, Father, that we'll walk in freedom, gaining victory over the flesh. We believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, were you blessed tonight? Good, good, good. You know, some there, we say this often. There's some truths, like for, in, for instance, what we ministered on Sunday. I, can't, I don't know about you, but when I, when I just hear the truth like that about healing, uh, truthfully, it makes me want to run, run around the room. You know what I mean? I mean, it just explodes in you. And you just, you, when you get it in you that strong, you like, uh, bring it on because I, I can't doubt it. You know what I mean? It's just the truth just enlightens you. You, know, you want to run around. When you start talking about the flesh and controlling the flesh, it brings the mirror of the word. It brings a lot of focus on your own life a lot of times. And, and it doesn't make you want to run around the room. It makes you want to run out of the room. But why I always say this, if you'll stick with it, and if you'll, if you'll be a doer of the Word, you'll be, you'll be running later on. Amen. It'll bring you to a place where you're wanting to run around the room later. Yeah, it's true. It's true. All righty. We'll chit-chat with you more about this later.